Good morning, Restoration Church. How are you today? So good. Uh, my name is Nate, and I'm the lead pastor of Restoration Church, and we are one church that has services in three different locations in New Hampshire, so in Dover and in Milton and in Plymouth, and I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you're a part of our service today, and it's going to be fun. We're finishing up this series, Predictive Text, and we are going to go for it. So if you need to, uh, buckle your seatbelt and get ready for this. Now, uh, Kind of before, we, before we, I get going and I don't have a chance to catch my breath, I wanted to just reference that video. Uh, so our Kingdom Builders Miracle Offering is coming up in uh, about a month in November, a few weeks away. So I just want you to begin to pray. Pray as a family, pray as a single person. God, what do you want us to do this year? What do you want us to do for the Miracle Offering? And you just listen to what he tells you and respond to that. So there's no, there's no guilt, there's no obligation other than you pray and you ask God what to do and be obedient to what he tells you. And we're going to see another miracle. God working collectively through all of us, through all of our locations, through those of us who join us online, and we're going to uh, just see him set us up for these next steps that he has for us as a church. Now, if you've got your Bibles, open up to Matthew 24. This is where we are going to primarily be today. And I'm going to end up going through a bunch of scripture. And if you stay, keep your Bibles open to Matthew 24, that's where I'll be most of the time. I will have everything up on the screens for you. And, uh, and so you can follow along with us. Now, here's the other thing for you. If you have questions on the message, you can text, and then this will pop up throughout the message, because we're going to roll through so much today, and we're ending our series today, so if you've got questions from something I said in the previous week or something that I didn't get to in the series, uh, we'll take time to answer those questions on the podcast, or if there's like you know, or even including, like we may do a week on questions next week if we need to flex, because... There's too many questions that come in this week, and we don't get a chance to get through them. So that's there for you. We want to help you not just to listen, but to study the Bible, not just to come to church, but to follow Jesus. And, uh, and so anyway, this is a tool for you to help you. We want to make sure you're coming along, and we're, we have a chance to teach you and help you to understand God's Word. Last week, we talked about uh, what Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians, where he talked about the kind of the world going through labor pains as we get closer to the return of Jesus. And that's what this series has been about. Uh, it's titled Predictive Text. And we're talking through the Bible verses, the scripture that talks about Jesus returning again. Those Bible verses that talk about the end of the end of the, the end of, uh, or the end times, the end of the age and the beginning of that perfect eternity that, that the Bible talks about, that Jesus talked about. And Jesus used this same language. He said, you know, that there'll be, and it, it, it will be like toward the end of pregnancy when there's an increase in labor pains. And, you know, kind of the one thing, though, you know, that baby is going to be born one day. It still can be like a surprise that it's happening. And last week we talked about, you know, it's a surprise 
what day the baby's going to be born, but it shouldn't be a surprise you're pregnant. And, uh, you, you know, it shouldn't all of a sudden be you have a baby and there's some cryptic pregnancy and you never knew about it. What we want to do as followers of Jesus, and if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, I hope you'll become a follower of Jesus. And, and so you'll hear about Jesus returning, and it wouldn't be something that brings fear, but it would be something that motivates you with a great joy to, for obedience, to follow him and say, wait a minute, like he is real, and I'm not just playing church, I follow him, and he's a real God, he really rose again, and he is really coming back one day to establish his kingdom here on earth and to reset everything back according to the way it was at creation. We want you to be excited about him, and so that's what we're going for today. But Jesus in Matthew 24 talked again about those labor pains. And when, it, you know, for those of you not familiar with, with pregnancy, you can have Braxton Hicks contractions very early on in the pregnancy, and they're false contractions. But then once labor starts, contractions kind of, you know, they'll end up being 10 minutes apart. And so, hey, be atten- pay attention, be aware the delivery date's coming, and then they'll be seven minutes apart, and you can time it to a stopwatch, seven minutes, seven minutes, seven minutes, and then, uh, and then you get to the place where they're two minutes apart, and, and for us, when we were having a, a kid, they're like, yeah, that's when, don't call us until then. When the contractions are two minutes apart, then we're close enough, come to the hospital, and we'll, we'll go on from there. What I'm going to talk about today is, you know, kind of one of the things we talk about Jesus returning. One of the things, if you've grown up in church, people can kind of tune out and they say they've been saying that for years. And uh, what I want you to see is that maybe for the last hundred years, contractions have been 10 minutes apart. So it's true, he's going to come again, he's coming soon, but it still feels like an eternity when you're in labor and you've been pregnant for nine months, still feels like, won't the, is this baby ever going to come, even though labor started? What we're going to kind of see here, what I hope that you'll see here by the end of this message is what I believe is when, when Paul and Jesus and other writers in the Bible talk about labor pains, that we are at a two-minute-apart contraction time on earth. That so much is happening, and so much is happening so fast, that we are in these moments Jesus talked about. Now, whether he comes back today or whether he comes back 20 years from now, those are both very soon and very short when we compare that against eternity. But we are here. We are right now on the brink, and this is exciting, and this is fun. So Matthew, we're going to start first. Matthew chapter 24, I'll read one scripture. Jesus, he's sitting on the Mount of Olives, and this is the the mountain that it says he will return to at his second coming. And his disciples came to him privately and said, tell us, Jesus, when will all this happen? What sign will signal your return and the end of the world. Jesus goes on to answer this in Matthew 24. He begins to give some signs that the labor pains have happened, that the contractions are going on, that his return is soon. Now, I want to look at a couple 
of the signs that Jesus didn't talk about that are listed in Scripture by other, place, by, by other people. So one, one of the uh, predictive text books in the Bible, one of those books of prophecy in the Bible was written by Daniel. And many of the things he wrote about have happened, but some of the things have not happened yet. So we pay attention to those things. So in, Matthew, in Daniel chapter 12, uh, Daniel writes this. He says, at that time, and he's talking about these end times, Michael, the archangel who stands guard over your nation, will arise. There will be a time of great anguish, greater than any since nations first came into existence. And this time that he's writing about, if, if you've been part of a, a church, you've kind of been aware of even, even pop culture, um, this time that he's writing about, we refer to as the tribulation. He says, but at that time, every one of your peoples whose name is written in the book will be rescued. And, and this, we believe, he's talking about the rapture, which is when, the, when all the Christians, all whose names are written in the, in the Lamb's Book of Life because they've given their life to Jesus, they'll be received out of this great time. Many of those whose body lie dead and buried will rise up, some to after everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting disgrace. Those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky, and those, and, and those who lead many to righteousness will shine like stars forever. And we kind of just believe that's us. We're, we're, we're those people. We're leading people to Jesus. We're helping people to experience him and his joy and his love and his forgiveness and, and his salvation. But you, Daniel, must keep this prophecy a secret, seal it up in the book until the time of the end when... And there's two things here we're going to look at. Many will rush here and there, and knowledge will increase. These are two signs. He told Daniel, uh, hey, you're going to keep these prophecies secret. We're going to bring them out and reveal them in the time when many will rush here and there. So let's think about that. In our current culture, what's one thing we see that did not exist a uh, hundred years ago. Travel, an increase in travel. Think about this for a second, that I could today walk out of service and in, uh, you know, in, in 16 hours be on the other half of the planet. You know, if you read biographies about some of our early presidents, they would send for their wives, hey, uh, come uh, come, come meet me now. Leave our home estate and come meet me. And they would get in a horse and buggy and then they'd get from Ohio to Washington, D.C. in three weeks. If, if we want to, I could leave right now and drive 36 hours straight and, and be in Texas or, um, or you, you, you know, I don't know if you go north where you would end up, you know, on a polar bear's dinner plate. But you... But you can travel so quick, and just a short time ago, 120 years ago, the, really the most you travel is 30 miles a day. So it's been 30 miles a day for all of civilization until now in this time. In 2022, worldwide, there, there, the worldwide travel numbers are higher in 22 than any other time in history. So that's pre-pandemic. This year is the highest year of worldwide travel in history. Even with inflation, even with the economy, even with world unrest, the most travel ever is happening this year. 
So then he goes on. He says, knowledge will increase. The second thing there. And in 1982, a, uh, uh, a man named Buckminster, uh, just pull that one out for your child names, um, he, he, he came up with that, this idea called the knowledge doubling curve. And he studied history and studied current times and realized that, the, that knowledge was increasing. Now, in an article written by a man who's not a Christian, his name is David Schilling, he went on, he, he kind of talked about this, and in 1900, so 122 years ago, knowledge doubled approximately every 100 years. So by 1900, knowledge was doubling every 100 years. That was 122 years ago. Uh, by the end of 1945, 45 years later, knowledge was doubling every 25 years. Fast forward to not very long ago, it was doubling every 13 months. So we went from every 100 years to every 25 years to every 13 months to now those, the most brilliant minds on earth have uh, concluded that knowledge is doubling every 12 hours right now. Every 12 hours. So what used to take 100 years is now happening in a 12-hour span. Knowledge is increasing. Now let's look at another book in the Bible, the book of Revelation. This was written by the Apostle John, and Revelation is it's kind of most famous as a predictive text book. Uh, as a book of prophecy because uh, it's talking about uh, a lot of things that have not happened yet. And he sees a picture of the future. Now, one of the reasons that the book of Revelation is so confusing is because John in, uh, you know, in the year approximately 80 or 90 AD, uh, maybe 70 AD, he sees a picture of the future and he's trying to translate that into English. He's trying to translate that into language that's going to be understandable by people in the year 90 AD. So think for this, for example. If he saw in his future a war of tanks and helicopters and nuclear bombs, how is he going to communicate that to a culture that has never seen an engine that has never seen a motorized vehicle, that has never seen electricity, how is he going to communicate that? So he ends up using language to communicate an idea to help people paint a picture of what he's seeing. And it's impossible. If I tell you, all right, we're going to go to this unreached people group in the Amazon, I need you to tell, teach them about Instagram. And so you're like, well, Instagram, it's owned by Facebook. And they're like, huh? And you're like, okay, I have my work cut out for me. And you end up looking at what's around them, and you begin to try to describe it by what they have. And so you're like, you know how you take mud, and if you put your mud on your hands and put it on a wall, and then your hands, just, that's like Instagram. And, 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 and anyway, that's part of the reason why it's so confusing. There was no words for helicopter. He did not have words for helicopter. He did not understand what he was seeing and the things he was seeing. And so he's communicating it. Um, that way. That's one of the reasons. Now, one of the things that will happen in the end is now 
a technology that exists that didn't exist then. And in Revelation chapter 11, and I think I referenced this only in second service last week, but there's a key verse here in verse number nine. So he's talking about an event that happens that he sees where two men of God are executed in, uh, in the streets of Jerusalem. So go to that verse for me, uh, verse number nine, Revelation eleven nine. And for three and a half days, these dead bodies are seen by all peoples, tribes, languages, and nations. So for three and a half days, these dead bodies are going to be lying in the street of Jerusalem, and it will be seen. Who's going to stare at their bodies? All peoples, tribes, languages, and nations. Is that because the whole world's going to travel there to see it? No, that's because we'll all be able to watch it live on our phones. This is something that could not have happened even in the 1940s. Because how many people owned a TV in the 1940s? Here's the interesting thing. When we go to Africa, and we travel to Africa, you, you kind of think of what Africa is, and then you show up, and everybody has a cell phone, everybody has a Facebook account, everybody has a WhatsApp account, Everybody, uh, it was an interesting thing that happened where, um, I'm trying to think of who it was, if it was a personal friend or I heard a story. I'm trying to remember, I don't want to lie, but it's a true story. They went to Africa and the eight-year-old kid at the orphanage in Africa knew what Squid Games was. All right? Eight-year-old in remote African village knew what a Netflix TV show was. It was in their language. It's on his radar. It says, this technology hasn't existed. This is a recent thing. Here's another thing in Revelation 13, 17, kind of another sign that John says. Uh, it says, no one could buy anything with or without that mark, which is either the name of the beast or a number representing his name. A lot of people focus on this and get freaked out about this. Uh, here's just what I'll say. Again, the financial control and the technology that exists for that you just think about Russia and everything happening there. So what did the world banks do? Um, all of the Russian billionaires, they just turned off their bank accounts. Hey, we don't like what your, what, your, what your president's doing, so we're just shutting off all your bank accounts. All right? So banks across the world are just shutting off people's ability to spend money. This is speaking toward that same thing that there won't be any commerce. You won't be able to go to Walgreens or go to Walmart or, or, or go to Home Depot unless you've bought into, you've ali uh, 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 aligned yourself with the world commerce system. And, and I would just say this, this is connected with a worship and a rejection of God. So you don't have to fear until someone says, hey, you can only shop from my store if you're not a Christian. All right, then now you begin to realize everybody must have this credit card, and the only way you can have it is if you say, I hate Jesus. Sign it right here. Sign on the dotted line. It will be obvious you're making that choice. You can't accidentally um, make that decision. Now jump back to Matthew 24, and here we start, we're going to continue rolling through this, and uh, in Matthew 24, Jesus begins to tell them, uh, here in verse number four, and he goes through a bunch of signs, and we're going to kind of roll through this. He says, don't let anyone mislead you, 
For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many. What we begin to see, kind of first sign, an increase in false teaching. An increase in false teaching. So I, I went through and I, I found some religions that, uh, that you probably know. So some household religions. Uh, and uh, I saw a list of these and, and see how many of them you've probably heard before. Mormon, Baha'i, Jehovah's Witness, Wiccan, Scientology. So we probably all know someone who's one of those, who, who follows and practices that religion. Some of these religions are so crafty, you thought until right now that they were part of the Christian religion. They're not. They're part of what Jesus is speaking about here in this scripture. The Mormon religion, founded 1830. Baha'i was founded in 1840. Jehovah's Witness, 1881. Wiccan, 1950. Scientology, 1951. You can look up new religions that started in 2022, and it is quite a long list. Uh, so this is an increase. And, and one of the things about this is how it, some of these things align themselves with Jesus. So it sounds like they're following what we follow, but they don't. Don't be deceived, Jesus said. Uh, the next thing that he talks about is an increase in natural disasters. So verse number six, he says, you'll hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation, kingdom against kingdom. So there's wars going on in the world right now. Uh, there's kind of wars that have happened in our lifetime. But we, we don't necessarily realize it's the history of wars. So prior to Jesus, historians count 70 known wars in all of history before Jesus. That's how many we know of, 70 wars. In the next 1,000 years, so from, uh, from kind of, 30 AD, right around there. For the next thousand years, uh, there are 50 wars recorded in history. The next 500 years, 100 wars. The next 300 years, 250 wars. The last 200 years, 500 wars. And over the last five years, there's been 34 wars. Wars are increasing. Uh, he goes on to say, and I, I put my... my my note there out of order, but increasing in, natu in natural disasters. So verse number seven, he said, there will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world, but this is only the first of the birth pains with, with many more to come. So again, maybe we're at 10 minutes here apart in our contractions. So in 2021, the United States alone experienced $20 billion weather and climate disasters, putting 2021 in second place for the most disasters in a calendar year behind the record-setting year of 2020. So 2020 and 2021 were record years in billion-dollar disasters, disasters costing the amount of money. What made 2021 stand out was within our own country, the variety of disasters we had. So we had a winter uh, storm cold wave 
that went through the deep south, and I have dozens of friends who pastors in Texas whose churches were destroyed because you had an Arctic cold front come in and set in for 10 days, and they just don't have anything to be able to handle that. The heat pumps couldn't keep up. Pipes froze. Pipes burst. I think 266 people died during that, freezing to death. So that happened. You had a wildfire event that... that uh, Arizona, California, Colorado, Idaho, Montana, Oregon, and Washington. You had a drought and heat wave that affected across the western U.S. Look up Lake Mead that's now Puddle Mead. <laughs> it's just <laughs> completely gone. You had two flood events in California and Louisiana. I had probably five friends in Louisiana whose churches just got destroyed. The water was 10 feet tall in their building. Um, you had uh, tropical, uh, you had three tornado outbreaks, uh, you had tropical cyclones, and you had eight other severe weather events that happened. I want to show you this picture here of, of uh, you get it right here, 1980, natural disaster events, follow this to 2021 and 2020, natural disaster events. It is increasing. The World Meteorological Organization reports that the number of climate disasters since 1970 has increased by a factor of five. It is, the labor pains are getting closer together. Again, 2020 and 2021 were the worst years on record for the world, not just taking our country, for the world in natural disasters. Now, let's continue on. Verse number nine, Jesus talks about increasing persecution. He says, then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. Listen to this. In the last 100 years, 100 years, more people were killed for their faith than the previous centuries combined. There's an organization called Open Door, and they begin to make estimates about Christian persecution around the world. Their numbers in 2018 were that 250 million Christians were facing high levels of persecution. So this is not getting unfriended on Facebook. 215 million Christians facing high levels of persecution. 2019, that number increased to 245 million Christians around the world facing high levels of persecution. And this year, they estimate 360 million Christians around the world facing high levels of persecution and discrimination. In 2020, uh, 20, I believe this is 2021, but it could be so far this year, uh, there have been 58 uh, 5,898 Christians who were killed for their faith, this, uh, either in 2021 as a total or this year, I don't remember, I didn't write it down. There have been 5,110 churches uh, and other Christian buildings that have been attacked. There have been 4,765 believers detained or arrested without trial, and they've been either sentenced or imprisoned, held for being Christian. He continues in verse number 10 that there'll be an increase in wickedness. He says, and many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. He's talking about an increase of wickedness both outside and inside the church. 
This is not just what's happening around the world. This is what's happening inside the church. There are churches who will allow things in their churches that secular, unsaved culture wouldn't allow in their cult, wouldn't accept just 25 years ago. And Jesus kind of talks about what's bad will get worse. Now, let's look at a couple of things. In the U.S., um, the murder rate has increased by nearly 30% this year. 30%. Look about everything else happening in our culture and around the world. The deconstruction of the nuclear family, gender confusion, sexual immorality. And you have things that culture thought of a secular culture thought of as wrong 25 years ago that are now celebrated today. But maybe you need to breathe here for a second. This is like Lamaze class now. Just go ahead. Just calm down. You got now. Jesus is showing us signs that this is not anything that makes us afraid. It's not anything that makes us worried. This should put us on the edge of our seats and oh wow. Oh, wow. But he's not, Jesus isn't done here. He says that one of the signs of his soon coming return is going to be an increase in the kingdom of God. Matthew 24, verse number 14. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. One thing in church that's often celebrated, and you, you'll hear people say and pray, and, and I think it's a great thing to pray, but on that day of Pentecost, the church was 120 people, and then after Peter preached, 3,000 people got saved in that moment on that early morning. And we talk about, I want to see 3,000 people saved in a day. Well, you know what? It is happening. Christianity's growth rate is faster than the population's growth rate. So the population growth is about 1.2%. Christianity's growth rate is 1.27%. Christianity is growing in much of the world. The United States is one of those places that it's kind of plateaued. And New Hampshire is one of those places where it seems almost non-existent. We are the most unchurched state in the country. More than Massachusetts. Actually, we're tied with Massachusetts there. And so you think, when you think badly, why is Massachusetts so bad? It's because they don't go to church. Same thing as New Hampshire. Um, according to a survey conducted by the Pew Research Center, there were only 600 million Christians worldwide in 1910. 600 million Christians in 1910. Today, there are 2.6 million Christians around the world. Can we stop and recognize the kingdom of God is increasing? If we, there's 2.6 million believers on the world to, alive in the world today, so you think about all of our friends who've since passed on to go to know the Lord, there much more than 2 million people have given their life to Jesus in the last 112 years. 2.6 million Christians. It is the largest religion in the world that started with 120 people not very long ago. Never 
Has a generation before seen the salvations that we are seeing right now? There have been more people saved in the last 50 years, 5-0 in the last 50 years, than the previous 1,972 years since Christ was born. So you take those 1,972 years, add up all the salvations, in the last 50 years, more people have given their life to Jesus than all those previous years combined. This is unbelievable. There are 193 nations, give or take, in our world right now. It depends on what Putin says. Uh, and there are, when it talks about all nations, that word is, you know, ethnicities or people groups. There are 7,000 people groups around the world. Now, one of the things that we look at to figure out and to kind of understand where we are here in Scripture and with the gospel and the good news being preached around the world is who has access to a Bible in their language. So I'll show you this picture here. And uh, global Scripture access. So languages, there's 7,000 languages. 724 languages have the entire Bible in their language. 1,617 additional languages have the Bible in the New Testament in their language, and then there are an additional 1,248 languages that have a portion of the Bible, maybe the book of John, maybe uh, maybe John 3.16, but they have a portion of the Bible written in their language. That is 3,589 languages of the 7,000 languages of the world that have at least some scripture. That totals 97% of all the people on the earth. Over 7 billion people on earth have access to the Bible in their language. Now, there's a huge movement right now. There are, uh, there are some different uh, organizations that have been translating the Bible. You've got like uh, Wycliffe Bible Translators, uh, for whatever reason, that's the only one that comes off off the top of my head. But all these organizations in the last couple of years have begun to join resources and to join teams together in order to translate the Bible. If you go to the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C., they have a room, uh, the Illuminations, where they show all these 7,000 language groups of the world and, and as represented as a book. So you walk in, it's kind of like a library. And each book is, is lit up based on whether it's in the full Bible or the New Testament or the Old Testament, it's lit up. And so they are many, you know, 3,500 books that are lit up and there's another uh, 3,500 books that aren't lit up. And right now, the rate of Bible translation is that they believe that by 2030, eight years from now, eight years from now, every single spoken language will have the gospel in their language. So that's not a full Bible translation. That's the, uh, that's the gospel. So the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Every single language eight years from now will have the Bible in their language. All of a sudden... The gospel will be accessible to every people group. (laughs) 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 Guys, 
our message today we're talking about is be aware of the signs, be focused on the destination. It's a lot of fun to see, oh my word, is it really happening? Is G, are we, are we going to see it? Is he going to return? Are we going to be the ones that finally experience it? And I tell you what, if these contractions are still 10 minutes apart, they could be. But let, can we all agree contractions have started? Can we all agree on that? If this is the beginning of the end, if not right at the, right at the tipping points. The water's going to break and you're going to be a papa. Get the cigars. We are there. Now, what do we do? Because we don't want to be a church that sits around making all these predictions. That's a, that is a waste. We want to be a church that proclaims Jesus. If he's coming back, we have a great opportunity to bring people with us, to introduce people to him. Two, two verses, and I'll, and I'll close. So the band, you guys can, can make your ways up if you haven't. Um, 2 Peter chapter 3. Second Peter, there's a couple scriptures in here that are some of my absolute favorite right now. But, Jesus, but Peter says this, but the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire. And everything, in it, every, everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live. Looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along, we have a part in making it move faster. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames, there's a new heaven and a new earth that he's gonna that he's gonna create. Since we see all these signs coming, since we feel the labor pains coming, we should live holy and godly lives. I think about the mom who becomes pregnant and so she quits smoking or or, or gets sober. I think about the dad who he's kind of a jerk, but all of a sudden he's going to have a kid and he, he, and he wakes up and he, I'm going to live now a new level of responsibility because I've got this little boy, this little girl who's mimicking me and modeling me and I better not swear anymore. I better, I, you know, I better not be racist anymore. Like you're changing now because of, of the one who's to be born because Jesus is returning again and it looks like soon what holy and godly lives you should live. So when I have the choice to sin, when I have the choice to, to ignore Jesus, to ignore his conviction, when I have a choice to just jump into what the world's doing, I say, but wait, but no, he's coming back. And I'm looking forward to that day. And I don't want to miss that day. And I want to be ready for that day. So we live diligent. We live holy. The second thing is this. This is the last. Um, these are the last moments before Jesus returned to heaven. And so what he says here is, 
pretty important, Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Remember, Israel, they're under the rule of the Roman Empire right now. And they think, you know, the day of uh, the, the Palm Sunday that we celebrate, Hosanna, Hosanna, highest, they think he's coming to, he's going to take the throne. He's going to get rid of the Romans. He doesn't do it. He dies. Then he rose again. And they're like, okay, maybe now. Is it now, Jesus? And he says, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. We're not supposed to set dates, really speculate. We're supposed to be aware of the signs. That's to drive us to live holy and godly lives. But also, what he says next, he says, but you, let me shift your attention off when I'm coming back. Let me shift your attention off trying to figure out how exactly how this is going to work and making all these predictions and, and guesses and living to, to make guesses. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Knowing that these contractions have started. We live holy and godly lives joyfully under no religious obligation. It is our joy to follow our Savior who's coming back for our return. It is our joy to live godly lives and be a godly example for, for our kids. It is a joy to follow Jesus and live a holy life. So we focus on holiness and we focus on sharing his story. I've already told you the signs. Be aware of them. But what's your assignment right now, church? What's your assignment right now, Christian? Share Jesus. And, and Jesus talking to them, share Jesus in your city. Share Jesus in your region. Share Jesus around the world. Share Jesus in Dover, in Plymouth, in Milton, in Wakefield, in Rochester, in Lee, in, uh, where else do you guys live? In Groton, in Hebron, in Madbury, in Barrington, in Stratford, in, share Jesus where you're at. Share him in your region. So, we're, we, we, you know, we've got three locations Prayerfully, prayerfully, pray with me. We'll have more and we'll hit our region. Our region right now is New Hampshire and kind of the area surrounding us and then around the world. And so we're giving to missions and missionaries like we never have before, sharing Jesus around the world. This is what it's about. This is how we live. Joyful, expectant, exciting, it's today the day the baby's going to be born. It's today the day of the wedding. It's today the day. It could be. But if it's not, then our job is to share Jesus. We close your eyes and we pray for you. Jesus, we love you and we look forward to the day you come back again. 
It is going to be an amazing day. It is going to be a celebration. It is going to be a party. You, you've established and you've kind of shown us it's going to be this thousand-year-long feast that we're going to participate in. It is Eternity is greater and better than we've ever anticipated, luckily, than we've ever been taught in church, because it's not an eternity of listening to choirs sing. It's not an eternity to, to, to watching angels float around. No, it is going to be joyful and fun and greater than anything we've ever experienced here. And it's going to be perfect. Jesus You've changed our life, and I pray we will share your good news with others that they would have the opportunity to know you as well. And right now, church, I want to give you that opportunity. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, maybe you've walked away from him, maybe it's been such a long time since you even thought about him. It's an exciting thing. He wants you. He wants you. That's why he came into the diet on the cross for you. That's why he's coming back. And you know what? That's why he hasn't come back yet. In 2 Peter, it says, God's not slow as some count slowness, but God's waiting for just one more person to give their life to him. He's been waiting for you. And maybe the reason he hasn't come back yet is because he's been waiting for you to come back to him. And all you got to do is so simple. It's so easy. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my heart. I ask for your forgiveness for all the things I've been doing and I I thank you for forgiving me. I I give you my life and today I'm telling you, today I'm deciding to follow you. And he rejoices when you pray that and he forgives you when you pray that and he indwells you when you pray that and he adopts you when you pray that you are his you are saved and you are forgiven and your name's written in that book of life that we read about earlier. Jesus, again, we love you. And you shared all these signs with us and Daniel and John shared all these signs with us. When we're not fearful, we're expectant. And knowing that 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 day's coming soon. And man, we gotta be busy. We've got to paint the nursery. We've got to put together the crib. We've got to buy some baby bottles. We've got to get some diapers because you're, it, it's about to happen. So as your church, we get ready. We get ready. And we pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen.